I am Obio Birudiambo, the writer of this audio article. I'm a writer, poet, activist, and a health communications expert. I've been involved in the creative space all my life, and I intend to do so in the afterlife. Do enjoy listening to this and find more of my articles on acute.co.ke. That is acute.co.ke. This production is done by Acute Media. A few days into the corona lockdown, my 85-year-old mother called me to discuss her concerns over bats in her ceiling. These vermin invade houses hiding in the space between the roof and the ceiling. They are a nuisance because of their tendency to deposit their acrid smelling droppings in the ceiling and annoying screeching at dusk as they prepare to venture out. This time, my mother's concern was whether she could get coronavirus from the bats. Apparently, she had heard a discussion on the radio associating coronavirus with bats. When news of coronavirus exploded, two distinct messages were communicated that it was a deadly, highly contagious virus that had originated from China. As time went by, more information on the seriousness of the unfolding health crisis was released. The coronavirus disease, COVID-19, was described as a flu-like <coughs> disease. It was said that those who had the disease died a rather sudden and painful death after their lungs got clogged up. The aged and those with underlying illnesses were singled out as most vulnerable. So my mom and many like her with her high blood pressure, arthritis and a weak heart could see herself completely implicated. Simultaneously, Information about the Chinese was filtering across, alleging that this virus had been associated with the strange meats they eat. Bats and other creatures came up. Prior to this virus, the Chinese had received bad press over profligacy in the deal to build and operate the standard gauge railway. There were also stories peddled on social media insinuating that the Chinese manufactured the coronavirus as a biological weapon to get even with America. Myths, half-truths, and innuendo flew far and wide. Quite rapidly, the coronavirus crisis deepened. The death toll from it, as well as the speed at which it was claiming lives, began to proliferate on the communication channels. Thousands were reportedly dying in China, but data was suppressed. Then European death roll began to rise, and with it the incessant panic buzzer. While China seems like way out there, in our imagination, Europe is just next door. We were smack in the middle of a fully-fledged public health crisis. Information started flowing in an uncoordinated, unstructured, non-strategic manner. Coronavirus news around the world. And in Africa, major cities like Nairobi, Cairo, Joburg are bracing. It was, and still is, impossible to differentiate fact from fantasy and fiction. Social media was awash with news of deaths, herbal remedies, avoidance strategies, 
conspiracy theories and statistical modeling of how the virus would spread. The public were ordered to wear masks and to cough and sneeze in a particular way, avoid physical contact, wash hands with soap and alcohol-based sanitizers, and eventually were urged to stay at home. A while later, a dusk-to-dawn curfew was imposed, sending a chilling message, as did the quarantining of suspected cases, that the crisis was deepening. Then the D-Day came, when Kenya announced its first COVID-19 case and a totally different reality sunk. The message was loud and clear. Coronavirus was here. By the time the first death, which was soon followed by the cessation of movement in and out of certain localities, the gravity of coronavirus was all over us. Law enforcement agencies doubled their zeal in punishing and arresting curfew hour breakers, those not wearing masks and individuals not obeying social distancing. The verbal and non-verbal communication began to unravel at this point. At one point, the state paraded recovered coronavirus patients and the stunt torpedoed majestically. The Ministry of Health holds daily briefings on the coronavirus, at first led by the quarrelsome cabinet secretary backed by a posse of clinicians and later at intervals by lieutenants with the head of state chiming in to emphasize the seriousness of COVID-19 situation and deepen the measures aimed at managing the crisis. We are stuck in crisis mode and crisis communication while the crisis is actually over. We are in a new normal that calls for unusual measures for use to survive the turmoil caused by the crisis. If COVID-19 was a Titanic, it had already hit the iceberg and was taking in water and sinking. At this juncture, the captain of the ship tells the passengers what they need to do, how they need to do it, and makes available the rafts and safety vests. It's all hands on deck for survival. The danger is no longer posed by the virus only, which is the iceberg, but the sinking ship, the economy, the life-affirming social systems such as hospitals and schools. At this point, we need to delve into development communication mode, social mobilization, community engagement, education, and advocacy. The situation is now beyond clinicians and the Ministry of Health. It is where development communicators come in. Our communication must now respectfully engage with Kenyans on the meaning and the implication of the new normal. This is the time for the persuasive, logical yet emotional communication that appeals to the head and the heart about the new normal. Communication needs to separate the myths from the facts. My mother needs to understand the connections between the bat and this new disease. She needs non-stigmatizing information that clarifies to her why people in her age group are more vulnerable 
so that she knows how to relate to her grandchildren and fellow villagers. Communication on prevention and management now needs to focus on normalizing and building self-efficacy in the new normal. The messaging now needs to logically challenge each one of us to find self-motivation to wear a mask when in public, like we did with wearing condoms and using treated mosquito nets. Communities must deconstruct deeply revered cultural practices like casually hugging and handshaking, burial practices, or reason to maintain a meter distance while queuing at the bank, the matato stop, or while receiving sacrament in church or offering prayers at the mosque. Communities must be challenged to find ways to avoid or manage mingling at weddings, funerals, and political rallies because these must go on in the new normal. We must adopt as routine and normalize hand washing with soap, integrating it into our daily activities. We must adopt sneezing, coughing, laughing, and speaking etiquette from now onwards. The public must learn the correct, scientifically proven facts about the virus and the disease it causes. We must learn what to do when coronavirus strikes. Only with this knowledge can the people separate the wheat from the chaff that social media throws at everyone. While managing all the public health measures, we must still engage in activities that transform our country and our people from poverty through work at home or elsewhere and lead ourselves into a dynamic state of economic growth, leading to greater social equity and the fulfillment of the human potential. Eventually, science will find a way to eradicate COVID-19, as happened with smallpox and rinderpest, and soon polio. The development in vaccine technology will help manage COVID-19, as happened with measles. Just like we did with HIV, that call for social and behavior change communication to get to where we are today, we, as development communication professionals, need to ease into the driving seat of normalizing COVID-19 and life with COVID-19. I appreciate you for taking the time and listening. Remember, just like Jim Trinker and Les Wallace once said, Feedback is a gift. Ideas are the currency of our next success. Let people see you value both feedback and ideas. Hence, do feel free to leave comments on this. Thank you.